Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and today we're fortunate to have two guests, Lydia Michael, she's the owner, Blended Collective, and author, and then Kevin Kettles, he's the Assistant Professor of Global Supply Chain Management at the Mike Illich School of Business, Wayne State University. Uh, welcome to the show, both of you. Hi, Ed. Hi, Kevin. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Um, so so let's uh, start out with you, Lydia, first, and kind of give us an overview of what, you know, the Blended Collective is, and then you'll help us how you're going to segue that into what Kevin is involved with, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So happy to be here today. Uh, Blended Collective is a multicultural marketing and brand consultancy. I started the company back in 2017 with the goal of helping infuse culture and emotion into the marketing journey for businesses. And so, you know, when we look at statistics from the U.S. Census Bureau, for instance, we see that 50% of the U.S. population 20 years from now is going to be multicultural. And that's really the basis of how we got started and what we focus a lot of our work on. And uh, transitions nicely to, to Kevin as well, because not only did he have his own marketing agency back in the day, but he also currently is very active with uh, Wayne State University and, and hosts a study abroad program internationally. And so there's a lot of cultural elements that he brings to the table and a lot of value that he adds in his um, work whenever he comes on for projects with Blended Collective. Okay, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah. Thank you, Ed. Uh, thanks for having us. Um, so, yeah, I'm um, a full-time professor, but I've known Lydia for many, many years. I have a background in marketing, but also the supply chain management. I teach supply chain management uh, on the full-time faculty at Wayne State University right now. Um, and having a global perspective is a very important component of the classes I teach. I also lead a study abroad to Central Europe, um, where we visit the Netherlands, Germany, and Poland. And there's it's always interesting, the intersection of business, history, culture, when visiting these dif different countries. And I think we try to take this multicultural perspective. And I think Lydia infuses that um, with her clients in the, in the guidance and work that she does with them. So I'm happy to support her whenever I can on strategic projects. And so... Lydia, why don't you sort of give us a definition of what you think multiculturalism is, if that's because uh, I, I, I know we use the word a lot and I learned it in probably social studies at some point. But what do you, what do you think the definition sort of that applies to your book as well as what you, you and Kevin do? Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely is a cross effort between diversity and culture, the way I look at it, right? And so it's understanding cultures beyond your own and understanding the attitudes, the lifestyles, the behaviors, the thoughts and perspectives that other cultures have. And I think when you're able to do that, 
you are able to add tremendous value to the business of other people. Um, because not only, you know, are you applying this, this formula in marketing, but you also are bringing this knowledge and this understanding of culture to the table, which I think whether we talk about it or not, you know, whether you have your own business or you're working for a corporation or a small business anywhere, culture has become an important value in how we how we work together on a day-to-day basis. And would you think that, uh, and both of you can answer these, uh, but um, are you talking more because both of you, and I wish you both would describe a little bit of your own international backgrounds. Uh, and why don't you start out with that, maybe Lydia, where you come from and how you got to this position first? Yeah, absolutely. And I think actually my up my upbringing had a lot to do with the work that I, I do now or that I've chosen to create over the past years. So I was born and raised in Germany to Middle Eastern or Chaldean parents and spent a good amount of my life uh, in Germany. And so naturally, I was navigating two cultures my entire life until I came to the U.S. in 2005. And that's really when a third culture was added to the mix. And, you know, while you might think that made things a lot more complicated, it also made them more rewarding because now I feel really confident, you know, going into a room and meeting with people from all sorts of different cultures um, and not only understanding the way they navigate in business, but also how I can help them and what value I can provide. Um, and I think, you know, again, that was sort of the the motivation or the inspiration to start Blended Collective at the time, also because I saw a need and a gap in the Michigan market to provide those types of services to businesses. Um, a lot of times we see uh, cultural marketing and these types of services offered to corporations, specifically in the automotive industry here in Michigan. But you know, my question initially starting out was, who's helping the little guys, right? Who's helping the startups and the small businesses? And that's sort of where we got started. And it has really evolved, uh, evolved since then. So, Kevin, how did you get on this path internationally, too? And I guess with supply chain as well. I've always been interested in having a global perspective. I had a marketing agency before and so I became connected with Lydia actually in the classroom. She's one of my students a very long time ago. And, um, you know, I've been watching her work and she's invited me to help with help her on some of the projects that she's done with clients and when I can offer uh, a perspective. And so I find I find this very, um, you know, important work uh, that she does here. Um, I, I think it makes a difference. Uh, for her clients to recognize their own value and their diversity and for companies to recognize the diversity that exists within their um, their own customers. And so I think that she provides an important link for that. So how, do, how does that, Kevin, sort of blend into the what you teach as well, I would guess, right? Right. So I teach global supply chain management. Um, and one of the things I talk about is managing suppliers across uh, across the world, and so we have you know suppliers that exist in Asia and Central America, and to recognize the differences that exist between us, so we can optimize um, you know our relationships, and so that there's mutual understanding and benefits, and um, you know good transparent communication. 
But it's it's not that we want we need to change for everyone, but we need to understand those differences so that um, we can work together in the best way. And so that's part of an important lesson for students, and also you know part of um, what Lydia talks to her clients about is recognizing those differences and communicating in, in, in the best way possible. So do you have an example of any, like when you're giving a lecture <laughs> where you would tell students of like how miscommunication has caused problems for not understanding other people's cultures? Sure. Well, as an example, one of the things that we really like to talk about is different types of cultures that are more individualistic versus collective. Asian culture tends to be more collective and they tend to do things together, whereas American culture tends to be more individualistic. And so kind of our values of what's important and how we work in teams and operates doesn't mean that it's bad what we do um, in the United States or, or, you know, reflecting on that individualism. It also makes us more creative as an example. Um, um, so there's positives and negatives to culture and you know, each part of the world. And we just have to be aware so that we can adjust and, you know, um, you know, and make it the, the, the best way possible to collaborate, lead, and, and also to communicate with our, our customers. And I should have asked you, Kevin, like, are, are you a, born in Michigan? Are you from Michigan originally? Or are you, yes, uh, I was born in Dearborn, Michigan. But uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, right. my mother is Filipino and my dad is of uh, German Celtic uh, heritage. And did you, um, did, did you have to learn another language growing up or no? Um, you know what? My uh, mom spoke Tagalog, which is a Filipino dialect, but she never spoke Tagalog to me. And I never asked. <laughs> Why, but I assume it's because she just wanted me to be American. And I think for people of that generation and their children, and especially immigrants, they wanted their kids to be assimilated as much as possible. So I understand. Although I wouldn't mind it if she taught me. She just did. <laughs> well, you know, I had the same experience somewhat, but uh, my folks came from Italy. But, uh, you know, we, we spoke Italian in the house, but they really never wanted to teach me. I always assumed they wanted to talk about stuff they didn't want me to know. Yeah. But uh, you never know. Um, so, Lydia, so you speak three languages then? I guess. Yeah, so obviously English and then Arabic and German. And I grew up speaking both, actually. And for, I mean, obviously, Michigan's a very attractive place for Chaldeans. Obviously, we I think we have one of the bigger populations probably around the country, around the world, I guess. Yeah, that that's have, right. And, and did your family come here to work in the automotive industry? Why did or did you move here on your own? How did that happen? No, not at all. Actually, people always assume that because obviously that's uh, what makes sense. But uh, we came here for the simple reason to be with our families. So we've had both my mother's side of the family and my father's side of the family have been here for decades, and we were sort of the only family in Germany, and so we wanted to be with everybody and decided to come here. And that was sort of our, our way over from Germany. And so could you give me a couple of examples, like with your clients too, where you talk about multiculturalism, where either there's things that people didn't think about or something you would use with a client to give as an anecdote to say, hey, this is what you want to think about when you're dealing with like this particular group or something. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's just truly understanding how 
other customers' behavior, texts um, from specific cultures, right? I mean, there's, um, you know, the Hispanic American culture or even, you know, with Chaldeans, the way we buy and the way we do things or the way we make decisions. Um, I know and this is something I mentioned in my recently published book, Brand Love, you know, with um, Hispanics, for instance, they like to incorporate feedback from their families and friends before they make a big purchase, right? Um, I think also the fact that a lot of cultures purchase based on emotion um, is something that customers or our clients that we work with sometimes don't think about is how can I integrate this emotional aspect into my marketing to really resonate with this audience that I'm trying to reach? And it's not just based on culture, but also different demographics that you might be um, might be focused on. So whether it's millennials or Gen Z, right, they all sort of have their own own thoughts and reasons for purchasing and supporting brands and companies. And I think the more you understand that, the better you can um, position yourself and your products and services to really provide value and, and be successful. You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. Because America, I think this is my, from traveling a lot, but America is sort of unique. There's like maybe six other countries in the world that have had almost like total, total immigration populations. But like coming from Germany, what was the difference between, not that Germany is a monoculture, but it tends to be a little bit more so than the U.S. Like, was that a big difference too, coming to America after living in Germany? Yeah. And it's interesting the way you ask the question, because even though it could have maybe years ago been deemed as a monoculture, I mean, definitely since 2015, um, there have been a lot of immigrants that have come right. to Germany. And so that has diversified the country and the culture a lot more. Um, but to answer your question, you know, coming to the US and having lived in Germany, I see a lot of cultural differences um, every day. One example that I'll give you, and this maybe relates to how Kevin was describing uh, the collectivist cultures versus the individualistic cultures. Um, you know, some cultures are a lot more high context compared to others that you can describe as low context cultures. And what that means is the high context cultures typically have a communication style that is based on body language and tone and, and really just overall context um, where you have to sometimes read between the lines. And a lot of times the Middle Eastern cultures are like that. They might not be as direct and straightforward in their communication simply because that's just part of the culture. You know, you don't say certain things direct to somebody's face for various reasons, whether it's respect or just the way you've been brought up. But in low context cultures, and definitely Germany is one of them, they're a lot more straightforward and explicit in their communication. And that's something growing up, to me, that was very normal to have very direct feedback, you know, even when you're working or when you're in school as a student. And then coming to the US, I saw that that was a little bit different. And to me, as a more high context, um, you know, than a culture in Germany. But then you have my Middle Eastern background that's even more high context if you compare the three. So I think that's been very interesting to 
to watch, whether it's in personal settings or in business. And this question, uh, both of you can answer, but I'm going to ask Kevin first, though. But how does this affect, like, obviously, with a global economy and um, especially with the automotive kind of context of manufacturing that there's a lot of international companies here in Michigan, primarily does it, it like, have you like, as you teach your students who probably, I guess a lot of them might go into automotive, but how does that play out for you, Kevin, as to maybe miscommunications you've seen in the business industry too? Right. Um, that's, that's why um, there's so many different countries that you might visit and deal with. And each one has a different, um, you know, cultural foundation and language and religion and context. As an example, it's more like for me, it's more about teaching students about self-awareness and, and being aware of who you are and how you act and how it might be different from others. And so what I, what I teach them is that when you go someplace, um, um, do your own homework and do your own research so that you understand where you're going and don't just be like, um, you know, uh, um, you know, like a bull going in there and causing a lot of disruption and not aware of what it is that you're doing um, so that you can be respectful of culture. And then so that there, there needs to be a little bit of a give and take so that when, you know, you're doing a negotiation um, as an, as an example, and, um, you know, you have to have some communication that happens beforehand about something other than business um, and others you might need to get directly to business. So just create an awareness of yourself so that you don't uh, um, you don't look like an arrogant American. <laughs> yeah, that uh, it happens quite a bit, I think, sometimes whether people intentionally mean to or don't mean to. I see it with tourists and military installations around the world. Um, so, so to this next question is, and, and I think I, the only reason I mentioned this is because recently we had on, uh, Hillary Doe, you might not know her, but she's been taxed by tasks with the governor to try to grow our population. And obviously one of the places it's going to have to grow is going to be external people sort of moving in. Right. And so, uh, do both of you see this in the talent angle of what you're talking about too as well? Lydia, you can go first. Yeah, I think it definitely depends on the different industries, but also, um, you know, really showing the differentiation and the uniqueness of what Michigan has to offer. I think Michigan is a very unique place when we look at all the states in the U.S. And so whether it's the automotive industry, whether it's our economic development, um, the investment that's uh, you know, been going on here for years in, in the city of Detroit. I think all of that is very unique and it has created a lot of awareness and a lot of um, attention for, for our city and for our state. And whenever you are able to showcase to people why and how they can provide value in our supply chain and as part of our growth of the state and the city, I think that's the way to really attract people is showing them how they can be a part of the bigger picture is really important and how they can fit in and not just provide value, but also help grow our economy. And I would imagine some of that has to do generationally too, right? Like 
different generations might be attracted to different things and lifestyles and all those kind of things. Absolutely. Yeah. And Kevin, you might have something to add, I'm sure. Um, I think that it would be a positive. Uh, This is something we talked about in class this last week, that if there was a lot of foreign direct investment from, you know, a foreign country in the city of Detroit, or if we had a lot of immigrants who wanted to come to Detroit or, you know, Southeast Michigan, I, you know, some people might think of that as a negative. I would think that as a, as a positive, that means they want to come here, that it's attractive place. And we want the best. We want everyone, we want everyone to want to come here. And that means the best and the brightest want to, um, you know, partake on these opportunities. And it would only, in my mind, it would only be a positive thing if we're a magnet that attracts people that have ideas and, you know, who want to work hard and accomplish their dreams. We want to make that our city and our region of of the state. So that blend, both of your answers sort of blend into the next question. But if you each could give me sort of one trend you think for, you know, what you do, Lydia, and what you see maybe, Kevin, for supply chain. Uh, Lydia, you can go first about what you might see, what you see coming around the horizon. Yeah, um, it's difficult to pick just one <laughs> because <laughs> you can give me a couple. I see, I see a few, but you know, one of the key ones, especially this year, is the focus on customer loyalty um, compared to customer acquisition with companies. Um, so brands and companies are really focused on how they can keep their customers, not just engaged, but how they can. Um, you know, really keep them happy. And I think that that is really essential during times of inflation, especially um, because, again, global companies are focusing less on acquisition and more on loyalty overall. And so the question becomes, how can you do that? And I talk a lot about that in my book, Brand Love, that I just published um, about a month ago. And the focus is really the emotional journey in your business and in your marketing. Um how can you evoke the emotions of your customers and really tap into their hearts and minds to ensure that you're building this long-term journey and connection with them through different drivers, right? Whether they're emotional or functional. And I think that that is one of the key drivers why customers choose brands and companies over others and choose to remain loyal. Are you also talking B2B, like business to business? Yeah, that's a question I get quite a bit. You know, is it B2C? Is it B2B? And while I focus a lot of the work and and that topic around B2C, it definitely applies to B2B as well, because anyone that you deal with, you know, in between between companies, there's always people behind those companies that represent and that have to make a decision to buy. Right. And so at that point, it really it really doesn't matter. It's not a question of B2C or B2B. It's, you know, how can I make myself attractive to that other company or to that customer to make them want to choose me. There's so many options these days, you know, nobody has to stick with any company by any means. I mean, it's, it's really easy to abandon and replace and substitute really now more than ever. And Kevin, you get to give the last answer on any trends you see for supply chain, because obviously Michigan is a heavily dependent supply chain state, probably one of the top ones in the country almost. So anyway, anything you see coming on the horizon? Uh, Yeah, we were just talking in class the other day about the impact of the move from the internal combustion engine 
to electric vehicles. And a lot of people don't see this coming because there's not that many cars that are electric vehicles right now. And we don't have the infrastructure set up for this to happen. But 2035, the state of California, the New York, the European Union, and China all, all say that the car's got to be electric and or uh, not uh, gas or the internal combustion engine, that it has to transition to a new tech. And the wheels are turning on this. Companies are investing, and there is major, major change going on in the automotive industry. And that infrastructure will follow. So we'll get more charging stations. You'll see um, less and less um, you know, gas cars that are introduced, more and more electric vehicles. And this change is indeed going to happen. And there the ramifications for Southeast Michigan and for uh, the auto companies and all the suppliers. We won't need to build all these parts for all these, um, you know, gas vehicles. Um, we're going to start transitioning to um, a, a new new type of uh, propulsion here. It's going to be electric. And, um, and so this is going to happen. And um, it's going to be happening sooner rather than later. And uh, it will have a lot of implications here in Southeast Michigan and around the world. Well, I'm sorry. I know we got we could have talked a lot longer, but uh, we're wrapping up. I want to thank again our guest, Lydia Michael. She's the owner, Blended Collective, and author. And Kevin Kettles, he's assistant professor at global. I'm sorry, global supply chain management at the Michael H. School of Business at Wayne State University. Uh, thank you very much, both of you, for taking time to do this today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Ed. My pleasure. Join us next week where our guest will be Rich Bowman. He is the Director of Working Lands at the Nature Conservancy. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.